Welcome back, everybody, to the CNC Replay. I'm Noelle. I'm Corey. We're back. We're, We're back. back, baby. It's just, you know, life gets in the way, and... Aren't I'm... you working, like, seven jobs or something? Uh, I... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, something yeah. like that. At least yeah. four. Yes, Subbing, yeah. coaching, pacers, church. So that's four. Mm-hmm. Right there. Are you still doing shift? Oh, no. Shift is dead. I've declared it dead. Okay. Because Well, at least it's dead in Indiana because Indiana is... The whole reason that shift was ever profitable was because people were scared to leave their house because of Big Rona. Um, yes. But now, like, people are like, oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then given that, you know, it seemed that most conservative areas were like, eh, in any way... Um, mm-hmm. and Indiana being very conservative. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and no... I feel like a lot of grocery stores do online pickup anyways, where they just, like, pack all your stuff and then leave it on their sidewalk. Sure. So, like, how different is that really? From I think Shift offers that, too. Like, they'll have someone who will just, like, shop for you. I've seen that. I've never actually done that before, but I know people yeah. who did the shop-only orders, and it's, like... You don't even have to deliver anything. You can just stay at the one store, which is kind of kooky. That sounds amazing. That sounds yeah, like my ideal job. I would, is just I would, walking around picking stuff off the shelves. I would love that. That'd be so cool. That'd be so, so cool. Also, um, I was in mm-hmm. D.C. this weekend. Completely yes. completely derailed this uh, conversation. But no, um, fine. you know all the monuments like that are clumped together, right? Yes, I've been there multiple times. Right, like everybody knows that. I didn't know that that was called the National Mall. You have you never watched like a crime show set in DC? No, not at all. There's like thousands of them. How? Mm-hmm. Okay. I watch sports. I watch sports. I do sports. I work in a church. Monuments are one step below idols, Noel. Um, and you were there looking at them. So who's got the real problem here? Oh, hmm, you're right. Yeah. Well, I'm but glad I, you learned something. I didn't know that, but yeah, that was. <laughs> were you there was... for like? Was it a school thing? Was it a fun thing? What were you there school for? School thing. I'm not in school. <laughs> no, I know not you, but like. Oh, it was. It was. It was a. It was a fun thing. Uh, uh, Katie and David, shout out them. Um, yes. They live in D.C., and that was the wedding oh, okay. that I'd missed. Um, so I went to go see them. Good. Partially for that. Partially not, just to go out and see them. So it was good. Yeah. So that was Pretty fun. Good. Five-minute spiel of nonsense. Five-minute fluff spiel. Five-minute fluff spiel. Three minutes spiel. and 15 seconds. Eh. But you, know. you were also at a Colts game on Sunday. And oh, that yeah. that was the reason you were not watching our beloved football cats first let's rewind noel did you do anything fun and entertaining this weekend because i feel like it's usually just my five minutes of fluff and then you don't get your you don't get your (laughs) um what did i do saturday i went roller skating with one of my best friends and hung out with her all day cool um that was really nice uh it's really fun when you can find like nice paved paths to go on instead of like the terrible asphalt that's outside my apartment i agree um because then it's just like bumpy and you stop every six inches um 
that was a really good time. Sunday had a birthday party for my cousin and then ended up watching the Lions game on my phone at the dining room table because the little cousins were playing video games on the big screen. Uh, so it was my uncle, three of my cousins, and my aunt and I all crowded around my phone screaming. Um, that was a good time. So yeah, it was a good weekend. It was restful. Yeah. And I I was up until three last night. Why? Three, three thirty. Um, because when I get the idea to start a project and oh, it's something no. I've wanted to do for a while and it's like I finally get in the mood for it, it it takes over and I can't stop. Um, so I collect like all of the birthday cards, Christmas cards, all of like the holiday cards I've ever gotten, have since probably about two thousand eight. Uh, I have them in a giant box and I have never gone through them and just kind of like weeded out the ones that are like just a assigned name or don't matter or just like the Amazon slips or whatever. I just don't throw mm-hmm. things out. Sure. So I finally went, th- I started at 10, 10 PM. I started doing that, weeding it out. There's probably a good 350 slips of paper memory things in that box. Uh, weeded it out, got it all whittled down and it was like, 3.30 in the morning before I finally, like, made it to bed. You brave soul. Because, you know, yeah, I got maybe four hours of sleep this morning. Go to bed. <laughs> I'm not usually the one that gets told to do that. I'm usually in bed by 11.30. Yeah, you should go to bed. Yeah. I'm just take... the uh, morning person of our group, which is take... hilarious. Take a nap. Just just real quick. Take a nap. <laughs> we have a podcast to record. Oh, shoot. I forgot. I forgot I about know. that. We aren't just FaceTiming. We actually have something to do here. Yes, we do. And we do it well. So, um, there's this long pause because I don't even know what to do. <laughs> I don't even know how. <laughs> Why do I keep just, doing we this? We can just state facts. I can just, just open this can with you, stating can a fact. You, can you start? Because we technically we have to talk about two weeks. But we're not, I will keep last week. Very minimal as to this week because this week is more. But yeah. please, Noel, before my this... brain explodes. <laughs> so this week, um, the Lions played the Seahawks. This was one of the games they were slated to win, correct? Yeah, they were favored. Okay, thank you. Um, this was a game they were favored to win, but throughout this week, we lost four or five starters: St. Brown and. Uh, what I just lost his Swift. Thank you, Swift. DJ, oh DJ Shark. Yep, a lot of our boys were very much out, um, which is not ideal. Not ideal. Tracy and... Walker done for the year with a Achilles injury uh-huh. on the defensive side of the ball. Uh huh. And so, game starts and goes and happens. And the final score ends up being 48 to 45 Seahawks. And in between (laughs) the first snap and the final time runoff, lots of things happened. Do you want me to keep talking or would you like to have you processed enough to like, if you got, if you have something else, keep, keep going a little bit longer because. Okay. Um, let me just give you some like some facts about this game, some statistics, if you will. Um, 
Detroit's 281 combined points plus points allowed are the most allowed by any team in the first four games of NFL history in a season. Um, on the other side of that, Jared Goff is off to the best statistical start of a Lions quarterback since Stafford in 2011. Or, yeah, 2011. Uh, and Goff's start nearly is identical to that. So that means that Stafford went 100, 100 for 161 for 12, 17 yards, 11 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. Goff is at 92 for 151 for 11, 26 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 3 interceptions. Uh, yeah, um, there were a lot of refing problems. Yes, Corey. <laughs> Okay, keep going. Sorry, I didn't. I, I cut you no, off. No, it's okay. Keep going. Keep going. Nope. I need you to keep going. I need to keep. Okay. I need you to keep going. Uh. I, I yeah. Um. That you know, just a lot happened, and what I have taken away from this is that the Seahawks have exactly one play in, in their arsenal, and it is breaking through our defense and it works every single time every single time they <laughs> and i don't and if i'm gonna be really really honest that was uh, it was obviously so so frustrating and like the worst part of it but even more frustrating is that i'm pretty sure the lions have one of the highest if not the highest uh, scoring point like points scored right now. Um, they're the, they're the number two scoring offense in the NFL, right? Okay, number two. So they're there. They have not been a number two scoring offense in Lord knows how long. They're also thirty second in defense. Or actually, no, they're the number one scoring offense in the NFL right now. Are they? Okay, yeah. I couldn't remember if it was one or two. They are number um, one. So it begs the question, what do we do about the gaping hole in the middle of the field when we are on defense? Okay, I, I, I need to talk Because it's made now. of tissue paper currently. I need to talk now. Okay, Go so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start. The most, the most positive thing right now for the line at week from from week one to week four the most positive thing if you want to get very general has been the offense ben johnson has done a fantastic job of revitalizing jared goff into making him somebody who everybody wanted him to be in los angeles okay I'm not, I'm not ready to crown him, make him the franchise court. I'm not ready quite yet. But Jared Goff did put up 45 points with you and me as his number one and number two wide receivers. So we have that going for us. Um, and we finally have a running game, which is sweet. Jamal Williams was not DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift is arguably the better running back. But Jamal Williams rushed for like, what, 120 yards? in this game something like that he had a ton let me pull that up he had a ton of yardage he was doing the work he was the only reason i wasn't losing my mind 
Right, and he had two touchdowns as well in this game. Um, so what, what's the official count on that? He had over 100 yards. I know that. Do you yeah, have I that? I got to pull it up. No, I got it. It's going to take me like a hot second to pull that up. Hold okay. On. Okay, that's fine. He had over 100 yards rushing, two touchdowns. Offense, despite everybody who was out, was able to keep the Lions into this game. Two things. One comment from last week. The Lions had that game won. And you know what they did? They couldn't stop anybody when it mattered the most. And they got conservative with their play calling. And he had 108 yards. Sorry. He had 108 okay. yards. 108 okay. Yards. So we will take a 100 yard rusher all the time. That's the benchmark for like a great rushing performance is 100, is 100 yards. And we have, we now, I believe, have two or three 100 yard rushers on this season alone, which probably helps in your number one scoring offense in the NFL. Okay. So we have that, we have that going for us, which is nice. But in the Minnesota game, we threw it away due to poor coaching, poor schemes, not aggressive gameplay. And the defense was atrocious. That was just, that was just the, that was just the appetizer for what we were about to witness. Now tell me, Noel, who do you think is the better quarterback, Kirk Cousins or Geno Smith? Uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is the better quarterback. Geno Smith completed over 80% of his passes in this game. He did. Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Mm-hmm. Geno Smith is dog water. I don't care what anybody says. He is not a good NFL quarterback. I don't care. And this is a home game for you. The Seattle Seahawks did not punt at all in this game. Not once. Not once. Not a they single scored time. on every single drive. Yep. That is abysmal. Your offense scores 45 points. You win that game every single time. But no. Unless you're the Lions. Unless you're the Lions. The Lions are the only team in NFL history who could possibly do something so good and something equally as horribly bad. Well, I would love, I would love to see the stat that is number one scoring offense and number 32 ranked defense. I would love to see what the stats are for that, for, for that after four games of the end, how many times that's happened. But it seems like every, any time anything ridiculous or unfortunate happens in the NFL, it happens with the Detroit Lions. Now, mm-hmm. I, it, when you I, were I, watching, I did you – when you were watching replay, did you also see the call overturn in the third? I don't care. I don't care. I do. I don't know. Do. But this is the thing. This is the thing. No one respects the Lions. It's it. This kind of stuff That's the happens part all me. the time. Well, yep. what have they done to get your respect? What have they done? I don't know. I still wouldn't like the opposing coach to just talk his way out of a penalty. They have done nothing to get any sort of respect. This is why I... I, I sit here and I'm trying to treat this team as a as a legitimate NFL franchise, but you can't because they do things that are just so mind-numbingly against all sorts of logic 
and and belief in what a team is supposed to do. And it happens in its own unique, special way all of the time. All of the time. The defense was horrible. They have no depth. Their scheme is terrible. My father said, how many times are you going to get fooled on a naked bootleg where the tight end or the wide receiver pulls off into the flat and you're going to just dump it off? And then you know what I said oh, to at him? Least 10. You know what I said to him? I said, as many times as it takes, hashtag grit, baby. I was so beside myself after this. I wasn't even, I didn't even, I, I, I couldn't even watch this game live at all. I was, I was trying to keep up to date and watching the, the dumpster fire that was the Colts on Sunday as well. Um, but it, I do not understand how you can give up 48 points to an arguably backup quarterback at home in a game you are favored to win. This does not make sense. And you know what's even more frustrating? Rashad Penny broke off maybe three runs of 20 or more, he had a he had a 40-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter. And you know how that happened? Halfback draw. Mm-hmm. They literally ran the ball up the middle. Yes, I remember. What yeah, is going make- on? Make a freaking make- adjustment. Good grief. They have no depth anywhere. Tracy Walker goes down. That secondary is depleted. Amani Awarie is bad. Okuda had a bad game, finally. He was exposed a little bit. Everyone's ready to turn on Aiden Hutchinson, who he hasn't made the spectacular play, but he also hasn't been, like, horrible. The rest of the other defensive ends that have been drafted ahead of him have had two QB hits all season, by the way. Or around that same. And then when he's double teamed, why on earth are none of our other pass rushers getting to the quarterback? How? How? Do something different. Your offense is able to do what they're able to do because they change up the playbook. They're able to do creative things. And you know what? Your offense was arguably more depleted than your defense this Sunday, and they were able still to score the most points that they had scored on the season. Being down your number one running back, being down your number one wide receiver, being down your number two wide receiver. Instead of having slot-heavy routes with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown or end-arounds or all these other things, you know what they were able to do? They were able to get Hawkinson into the mix, and he had a career day. You know what happened? A career day and a loss. I'm so sick and tired of seeing all this great stuff, this, oh, we did great on the offensive side. I want wins. Does it look different? Do our losses look different than how they were last year? Sure. Fine. Okay. I will give you that. But I want wins. I want to win in the NFL. I'm so sick. And I have been alive since 1996, and I have seen the Lions in the playoffs twice, okay? Me and my father since 19 – me and my father have experienced – or he experienced one more playoff win than I have. And I'm going to say this stat again. Since 1957, the Lions have had one playoff win. And the next closest team is the Cleveland Browns, who have had nine times as many playoff wins. 
This does not make any sort of sense. How does this keep happening? It's because this organization cannot be treated as a legitimate NFL franchise until we see. also lost your audio just as an fyi <laughs> lost it about like 15 seconds ago can you hear me now there you go okay where, where did i where did i leave off on uh cleveland browns have nine times as many we'll restart from We'll restart from, we'll get to 20, 2020. The Cleveland Browns have nine times as many playoff wins as the Detroit Lions do since 1957. The Cleveland Browns, the, the butt of most NFL jokes that belongs to us that belongs to us and i get it they're doing some things well i'm giving them the credit where the credit is deserved a lot of people are talking about ben johnson's work in detroit with how good this offense has been but it's still a loss it's still a loss at the end of the day it looks different sure fine it's still a loss i want to win that's all I want, I want to be able to see a home playoff game someday in my lifetime. I really do. But you know what? I'm pretty convinced that I'm not. I'm going to live my silly little life rooting for this stupid little team, and I'm not going to see anything. One playoff do we game. Think, in do we think Aaron Glenn exits this week with a job? Uh, he's not going to get canned, but... Campbell was saying that they're going to shuffle the personnel. They're going to look at everything. And again, it's all, it's all just, just speak at this point. We've seen, I mean, we've seen it before. Oh, I got to coach him up. Oh, we got to look at everything. So Campbell's saying the right things here. And like he did, he didn't like the quarterback play in the preseason. And he's like, we have some answers, and then pretty quickly after that, you got your answer by you cut both of those dudes. Mm-hmm. I want results. It's year two. Fine. It's year two. I want results. We're still losing games the same way that we've always lost games. The defense falls apart. Coaches make a mistake. And there's gonna and you know what? This is going to happen this year. There's gonna be a game where the offense scores 17 points. My guess is going to happen on Thanksgiving when the Lions play the Bills. That's going to be a bloodbath. Make some changes. Because your offense was down most of your most of your reputable starters. 
and they were able to put up 45 points. And your defense was down a few starters, and they looked like they had never played the game of football before. I'm tired. I'm tired of this team. I can't treat them. I can't treat them like a professional franchise. I just can't. I can't do it. You can't. Oh, this team sucks. And the and the horrible thing is they don't really suck because you mm-hmm. don't you don't you don't yeah. suck if you put up the most points in the NFL. You don't. No. And your record definitely shouldn't be one and three after first four games. But they're last in their division, somehow. <laughs> oh my gosh! It's same result in a different story, different script. I don't know what you have to say to that. I was pretty hot. That is. <laughs> I think you've covered it. That was that was that was like a. That was different than the Avila ones because, like, that was just pure rage. This yeah. was like this. This was like this was like grief. Ang- ang- yeah, this was grief. This was like I'd lost the love of my life, and like I can't like in a tragic fashion. Yeah. And you were confronting her murderer. Yeah. God. Okay. Golly, it's just it's because deep down. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to next week and I'm gonna be like, well, maybe they'll turn it around against the Patriots if the, <laughs> if if Bailey Zappi, freaking Washington or no Western Kentucky alumni, third string quarterback for the New England Patriots, drops fifty on the Lions, I, I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna I'm gonna even more so lose my. If Matt Patricia figures out a way to beat this team. And like beat them like we stole some. Oh gosh, I'm gonna be unbearable. <laughs> unbearable. Oh, you're. You aren't I, already. Oh, I'm. Well, no, I am. I, I, I can't. It, it. Listen, they're gonna lose more games this year. Please, yes. please don't have it be to that fat loser. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Matt Patricia is a guy that I have. I will. I just won't. That's not very Christ-like. I maybe I regret that, but I don't like him at all because he was bad at his job and he was a tool. Okay, so. on a scale from Steve Iserman to Al Avila, where does Matt Patricia land? Oh man, uh, Matt Patricia is Al Avila level of incompetence. But if Al Avila were just like a horrible human being. Okay, so he's even beyond. Yeah, he's beyond. He truly is. We need a we need a graph. I need to figure out a graph for this because I'm interested. I want a little um, you know, like the the arrows with the four quadrants and then you can kind of put your little guy in the little square depending on where they are and he's got a little you know, yeah. logo, but in this case it would be Matt Patricia's head. Yeah. See, yeah. see that would yeah. be an interesting experiment for us. Do you have any more ramblings or rantings or screams that you would like to get out no, in regards I, to this? I actually think um, I'm excited that I'll be able to watch the uh, the um, Patriots game. I'm, I'll be interested to see what happens, how they respond after it. Because, like, literally, 
and I mean this literally, the defense can't get worse than not having the other team punt for the entire game. It you know, can't. You say that. I mean, I guess they could give up more. We know who this team is. They could give up more points quicker, I guess. But um, So I would um, just like really maybe not want you to put that out into the universe for Satan to hear. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, it'll be fun to watch. I'd like to see what they do, especially if uh, Bailey Zappi is their starting quarterback next week. Um, but, and they're still a piece of, maybe, maybe they'll turn it around. Maybe they'll make something of the season. I can't get there because I'm just going to get hurt. I already know it. I'm done. I can't talk about this team anymore. Okay. Do you want to talk about your second favorite team? You see, you see now here's here's the beautiful Detroit thing. Tigers. Here's the beautiful thing about about the, the Tigers. The lines of Detroit are just really a conundrum. Since Scott Harris was hired, and I'm gonna get closer to my microphone. Um, since Scott Harris was hired, the Tigers have been. Oh, it's coming. I out think it's here. actually coming out of your headphones now. Yeah, but that's yeah. okay. Okay. Well, since since Scott Harris was hired, um, Tigers have been. A different ball team club. Oh, and 100%. here's I'll start with the negative because this is mostly going to be positive. These games don't matter at all. Literally don't matter. Not one bit. Not there's in the three slightest. left. There's three left, or no, there's four because they play four in Seattle. They have a doubleheader. Um, oh. So this doesn't matter. They're playing meaningless ball games and they're winning ball games. And if anything, they're hurting their draft stock. But who cares about that because they couldn't develop talent anyway. Um, on the flip side, I'll take wins at any given time because we've seen so few of them. Um, and they've looked really solid doing it. And it's the last time I think I spoke on this, it was the Javier Baez conundrum. I think Javier Baez is like up to 16 home runs now, which is kind of crazy to think. He still has a ton of errors, but he's looked like the shortstop you would want to have had play. And it's going to be even weirder and messier in how this situation unfolds because if he continues to play better and he plays at the clip that he was in his MVP caliber season in 2016, then you're going to have someone who's going to opt out of his contract after year two, which is in his contract clause. But um, I'll take players playing better over players playing bad. Um, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Riley Green has continued to develop. We love to see that. Um, Spencer Torkelson has shown signs. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez had a really nice outing uh, a couple of games ago. I think he went six and two thirds and didn't give up a run. So that's encouraging to see because that's the that was your main piece of starting pitching piece from last year. And given that he's had a whirlwind of a personal journey this season it's good to see that he is still uh you know a pretty solid pitcher the bullpen seemed to write the storm a little bit alex lang had a really really rough like middle second half of the season and now he's righted the storm and i think something that i've mentioned but we haven't talked about a whole lot uh joe jimenez had the best year of his career this season and he looked very impressive in many moments that he appeared 
in this game. And I think I saw a comment as well that like, yes, he's happy with the result, but it also, he, he, this is the, this is the lion's conundrum. He saw a lot of progress. He personally had a lot of success, but he said something along the lines. It doesn't matter if we're not winning. So there's coming from a player. And I, and I guess I'll even say from the lions too, because after they won the game against Washington, they're already like, Oh, the same old lions, like, like mantra doesn't exist anymore. Well, then the two weeks after that game, it, it, it did exist. Um, it seems like you have players in the locker room that want to make the change and are at least strive. Like they're not, they're not trying, they're not trying to be bad, I guess I should say. And then you'll have your, you'll have your guys every day who are going to play super hard. Harold Castro, Victor Reyes. I think those are valuable pieces on maybe a little bit better of teams. And I think in the future here and with uh, uh, Harris coming in, you're going to probably lose one of those guys. And I would think it would be a guy like Harold Castro because I think Reyes is a bit better defensively. Um, even though Harold Castro hitting Harold, I love him. He's become, you know, my new favorite, like kind of, you know, somewhat bad tiger, the Don Kelly role, I should say. Um, <laughs> but um, he's just not great anywhere defensively. Um, and he doesn't hit for power usually. Uh and then Akil Badu has looked better. Torkelson has looked better. Um, Said with very emphasized hesitations. Yes. Uh, so, I guess we're in the same spot that we were in last year. Hope for next year, I guess. Question mark. Question mark. Because I think what's really impressive, too, in that 10-2 10, 10 record, they've won four mm-hmm. series in a row. And that's how you have to approach the baseball season. You have to look at a series. I, everyone like gets caught up in the streaks. Everybody gets caught up in like you know big time numbers, win games. But in baseball, win like your segments. Okay, you have you have your road segment. Okay, go five hundred. Go five hundred on the road as long as you can take care of business at home. Like, I don't need you to win seven games in a row. I would much rather you win four series against a divisional opponent, which. They have done this year. They beat the Twins. They beat the White Sox. Or not this year, this streak. They beat the Twins. They beat the White Sox. They beat the Royals. Those are the teams that you need to beat. And I believe they gave Cleveland a run for their money as well in a few of those games. Um, maybe. Actually, I think I'm wrong. But the rest of your division, that's how. That's why Cleveland won this division this year, is because they did not lose to their division rivals. It's the worst division in baseball, but somebody's got to win it. And when somebody wins it, somebody goes to the playoffs. Okay, take advantage of that in the in the literally next year. Because I don't think there's going to be I don't think the Royals are going to get exponentially better next year. I don't think the Twins I think the Twins are going to get worse because they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with Carlos Correa right now because he's going to opt out of his contract. Uh, Cleveland doesn't sign big free agent names, and they're going to probably stay around the same level of competitiveness. The White Sox had a really horrible year with a lot of talent. I think they'll bounce back, um, but I can't imagine they're going to make a lot of big splashes uh, given that Tony La Russa was a horrible managerial hire, um, and he's just been a train wreck. Um, this division is wide open. Make some moves, and it seems like 
Harris is the guy that's going to make some of these moves. I saw a tweet. This is a little bit speculative um, from Big Tigers fan uh, that he's like he's, he did a hot take, and then he said his hot take is that Harris is going to trade Torkelson in the offseason, which would be very interesting, I think. That would be interesting. What do you project the return for that would be? I have no clue. And honestly, I and and it's strange. I would feel stru- like it's like, oh, we can't trade Torkelson. He's in first round draft. Blah, blah 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 blah. It's like, I don't know what the return would be, and I don't really know what type of player Torkelson is going to be. There's a lot of mystery shrouded from this season and his performance, albeit pushed into a spot that he obviously wasn't ready for. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think that they would trade away a, a number or number one overall pick who hasn't seen those developmental signs, but also hasn't been like, he doesn't know how to play baseball because like there's been those moments where he's like, okay, he could. Yeah. It definitely feels too early to air quote, give up on him in that way, especially since Harris started his job a week ago. Sure. And hopefully we'll take time to assess what this team is going to look like. Is it possible by trade deadline next season sure but i think probably for off season and then the rest of for off season and then probably the beginning i'm hoping at least that torkelson's here and has a summer of development underneath the the new regime so that we can see what he becomes with in that mm-hmm. i i don't think it would be a trade deadline type move it would be um it would be like it would be an off-season type move, um, in which you would get something for him. I don't. I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't be too happy about trading him, given it because it is so early. But that's just a thought. I do think there's going to be some sort of moves that we're going to be like, "Wow, that is a big, big time move." But on the side of like getting rid of somebody, does he go out and trade a Baez? I don't know. I think that's a pretty like trade low thing given his season. Mm-hmm. Um, but does he trade like a Matt Manning? Maybe not a Matt Manning. Does he trade like a Casey Mize or something like that? I, yeah. I, 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 I could see something like that. I could also see him going after a big time free agent. I would, again, I would love Trey Turner. And I think this is the type of player that, Harris is talking about athleticism, baseball smarts, all of that stuff. Um, is that too early in this new rebuild? I don't really know. Probably, but um, I think we're going to see some moves that are going to be surprising in both directions, whether they'll be subtractions or additions. But I think now you have a regime that is on board with it. You literally did everything that you sure. were supposed to do. Um you literally did everything you were supposed to do with this hire. You talked to the best GM in town, Steve Eisenman, and like, hey, what should we look for in organizational leadership? Um, you have Hinch, who's who I still think is a really good manager, like involved in this process. Okay, how am I going to get some help here? And then I guess you have an owner who reluctantly, and I'm not going to give him a whole lot reins. of... Yes, is handing over the reins to somebody who is way more competent than the last regime. Right. 
So yeah, I don't know what I don't know what your expectation is for the Tigers next year. And then you have Austin Meadows coming back, hopefully healthy and out of this horrible year that he's had as well. Um, man, just uh, weird, weird, weird time. But um, Tigers are playing well. Let's hope for ending the season strong. They can't play spoiler because everybody's already clinched. Um, so cool. Go baseball cats. You didn't make me yell at you today. That's a, that's a win. It's the first time in like six weeks. Boy, they. Yes. Uh, Pistons have yes. their season opener tomorrow. They are at preseason opener. Preseason opener. I cannot keep my head straight. Uh, preseason opener. Tomorrow against the Knicks. So yes. that's exciting. Um, in I think... in MSG, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's, Madison that's Square cool Gardens. Uh, I think it's not like they've released roster at all yet, but uh, I think for all intents and purposes, uh, Cade, Ivy, and who is the guy that just got we just got traded? B yeah, Boyan that I can't pronounce. Boyan are going to be starting. Um, we'll see how that turns out. Obviously, it's it's preseason, so it air quote doesn't matter, but it matters because we have a lot of uh, new folks. <laughs> I did see a stat, not a stat, a fact that uh, Killian Hayes is the longest tenured player on this team. That is absolutely wild. <laughs> He's been here for three years. That, and, but that's what like. Troy Weaver is done with this team. Yeah, I know. So. He's completely revamped this team. Um, so that'll be fun to watch um, as we gear up for the beginning of regular season. Uh, they had their media day a couple days ago and seemed to go really well. They had their open practice and their blue and white game. Um, Cade is just looking better and better. I don't think that he has had one off day since return, uh, which is exciting and exactly what you want to hear from everybody. Um, Isaiah Stewart is working on his, working on his three shot and by all accounts has improved somehow. Yeah. Um, stretch the floor a little bit with, uh, yep. Bigs. Yep. So I it's I think it's gonna be an exciting Piston season. I think you know last season we were very optimistic. We're like this is, I think last season we knew that it was a stepping stone. I don't think that either of us were going into it thinking that it would be, um, crazy big in terms of leap in standings. Mm-hmm. I think this season, there's more of a chance of that. If the young guys are capable of going against vet- more veteran teams. We talked about this last week or last time a little bit when the Bojan news broke. Um, this is going to be like, this is going to be the measuring stick for how well these young players can play in the end. Because this is a, yeah, this is a team major like majorly. I can't, I can't say the word that is made up a majority of first to first to three year players. So very, very, very young. 
and and Boyan is now like the veteran and we talked about that last week don't worry about that um and i think he even talked about that like the 10 seed play-in tournament is i i think that's what you got to shoot for if you're in the pistons like mm-hmm. i think that's a very reasonable goal and i think that's an exciting goal and that's like something that like it's not like with the lions or the tigers where it's something that's like an immeasurable like success that's something that is sure. very measurable that's that shows that you're competing to be to to go to that next level that's where teams that are on the fringe of rebuilding and then also uh contending would go in that playing tournament or a team that just the bottom fell out of their season they have to play but a little bit why um i've had a lot of different takes on the playing tournament personally i don't like it but other people in the nba think it's like super exciting just gives you more basketball with higher stakes um but even if you look at that as a personal player development level it's a one game microcosm or two game microcosm depending on where you're playing in this play-in tournament uh to where the players can play for something different so for a young team and we hope a young and talented team Mm -hmm. obviously i mean obviously it's going to be different from a regular season game but like that's that's your like baby practice like how do you how do you get ready for that game how do you how do you handle a, a game with higher stakes so it's like you have regular season game and you have postseason game they're on different echelons but then you have your playing tournament game which is literally the smack dab right in like in between those things it's it's everything that the pistons have been doing put into one spot so you've been making calculated moves getting out these old getting out the old or even the younger players that aren't fitting your schemes and taking that that very minimal next step and you saw it with how they were competing they were at least fun to watch although they were losing but we can talk mm-hmm. about them being fun to watch and losing because the pistons are a team that have been successful and are now showing signs of playing some I'm not getting back to that but this is I don't want people to think, well, oh, you just talked about that with the Lions, how that's not acceptable. Well, right. it's acceptable. You're not being hypocritical. Yeah. It's acceptable with the Pistons because they know how to win and they've done it before. Yes. And even the moves that have been made by Weaver and company have showed you, or even down to Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey has been a winner in this league. He's had deep playoff runs. Like, this is what you'd want from this team. You want incremental, like, goals. Going someplace. Doing something with what you have. And you have a young team. You have a veteran who knows how to play, who's played in the playoffs, who can kind of guide the youngsters on the right path. And then your ultimate goal is to play in a game with higher stakes at the end of the year. And that's the play-in tournament. And that's cool. That's cool that, like, there's something, like, that is more to play for, but that is also attainable. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that'll keep young guys hungry. So I don't know. Those are my thoughts. Really good thoughts. Um, Piston? No. Red Wings? I don't know where my brain is today. I'm not you're even having, tired. You're having a rough I'm having day. a really rough day. Um, the Red Wings are Red in Wings. the middle of their preseason. 
I'm watching right and now. This is the first hockey, Red Wings hockey that I've been able to watch. Oh, like, exciting. Live. The Pistons are currently like, win- or the, why do I keep saying Pistons? Oh my gosh. The Penguins are winning, right? One to nothing. Thank you. Ay, ay, ay. Um, regular seasons or preseason, regular season. I, pre-season. You need to talk because okay. I can't talk. All right. I'm going to talk. I'm gonna <laughs> Clearly talk. I cannot do what I'm doing. NHL preseason is underway, and crazy, crazy stat of the day is eight. We are eight days away from NHL opening night. Thank you. That's what I was trying to get out. It seems like in the NHL training camp preseason and uh, opening night happen like within like a week of each other. Because I feel like we were just talking about the prospect tournament. And literally, training camp in the NHL is a week. That's cra- that's crazy to me, um, but I think it's mostly. I mean, they were very impressive in their first preseason game uh, against the Penguins, um, and they've kind of they haven't really sputtered, but they've been you know like treading water. They lost to Chicago, but then they played them again and they shut them out after just completely dominating the shots shots on goal, um, and that was one of the things that I always appreciated about those Red Wings teams that were great to good or in, in the playoff streak. They always, always, every single night outshot the competition. And when they were bad and they were struggling to get wins, they were always constantly being outshot. Like there was, there was games late in the Blaschel era that like, it was like the opposing team had 20 shots on goal and the Red Wings had four. And it was the second mm-hmm. period. Like, yep. it seems like they're attacking the net better. They're creating some more offensive upside with, by all intents and purposes, now having a fully capable second line, which is going to be huge for this mm-hmm. team. Um, and it will take the pressure off, you know, Larkin and Bertuzzi at the top. Um, but ultimately, it kind of seems like they're having, you know, a little bit of fun as well. They do seem like that, yeah. They and, like the influx of young players. Um, right. The I guess the transition of leadership um, has been smoother. Um, it seems like rumors on Reddit and everywhere else is that Perron is going to get an A or they're going to operate with four alternate captains and two at home, two on the road, which I hate it when teams do that. I think that's kind of dumb. Why? We, ha- we have a captain. Why would we do four? But no, we're going to have four alternates, but only two on the ice at each time. Oh, okay. I don't and like it'll that. Be, it'll be home and road, which is, I, I don't. I Why? Don't, I, don't, I don't get that. Because leadership looks like different in other areas. I don't know. It's stupid. Um, I Okay. Maybe it's not stupid. Like, I could see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have. I don't have. No, I'm going to say it. So, like, a guy like Perron, right? Yeah. As like your as your alternate first year, you give him an A immediately, you give him why because he's a veteran, he's had leadership on his other teams that he's played on. But why would you give him a road A? Well, it's because he has experience around the league that isn't more so with Detroit. So he can mm-hmm. operate like, okay, like here's what to expect in Colorado because played in the Western Conference for the like for some of the best years of my career, um, 
here's how you play these guys. So he offers that sort of, so he just becomes that vocal point, I guess, maybe. Right. But we also still already have two alternates. So if you have David Perron, who even at home is your, like, visitor specialist, uh, or is your away specialist, the other guy is going to be your home specialist. I don't understand the point of having two guys. I just it, I just don't. Understand. I don't it feels like either. a lot of cooks in the kitchen and a lot of, like, hey, who do I go to if I have this question sort of situation? Like, you go to Larkin, obviously, but if Larkin's not available, who's the next guy you go to? Like, that just, it feels like a lot. Yeah, and I think captaincy and uh, alternate captaincy is, like, it, it means different things to different people because, like, it, it's... Sure. Um, what am I trying to say? Like, the title of that is more, it's, like, a respect thing, too, so, like, like Perron being named alternate in Detroit his first year, like that could be like something for him as it communicates to other people for like, okay, voting. Like, okay, like what if this guy is uh, a Lady Bing candidate? Oh, he's an alternate captain here in Detroit mm-hmm. in his first year. That's like, so it's like good for like voters or the media or stuff like that. And then also like the talking point for like any penalties or you know, because they'll always talk to the refs. If it's not Larkin on the ice, they'll talk to another captain. They're the talking point with, like, uh, officials and whatnot. So it looks different for different things. I would like to think if they do that home and road thing, it's for reasons like that. Or mm-hmm. it's going to be for something like, uh, and they did this before Larkin was captain, like somebody who you're grooming for, like, team leadership. Um, and they're just not ready to take on them. So, like, also heard that Cider is in the is in the yeah, works to I be heard that one too. another A. But I would assume he's going to be the home A because okay, he'll be an alternate captain where everybody in the stadium loves him and is like cheering him on. Okay, what happens when you have to be an alternate captain in a hostile environment? You're young and your emotions get the best of you, and you punch some dude in the throat. You know that's not a good look mm-hmm. from right. a person of leadership. So. I guess that's why. I didn't know. I didn't know this would be kind of the majority of our <laughs> majority of this conversation. But, it, but that's good that it kind of just naturally like kind of goes to like whatever. Um, yeah. So, I'm I'm excited to see what's going to happen on opening night with that, um, and I hope they sure. just kind of for um, to keep things neat and tidy. Just give me Larkin at the sea. Give me two alternates and leave it at that. Yeah. But I, I uh, understand, I guess, if they do a different direction. Right. Tonight is Bert's first night skating this season or cool. since, you know, training camp or whatever. Um, now that the COVID restrictions in Canada have lifted. I was just going to say, yeah. The, it, and we don't have an extension on this man's contract. Uh feels like we've we're starting to get to the point where we talk about what the reality of Bert being traded looks like. Am I in the camp that I want Bert gone? No. I think that he is way too important to this team. I think that he is important to these young players. I saw um is it Raymond being interviewed? It was one of the younger guys. Somebody asked, "Hey, Bert's skating for the first time. What do you think?" I think it was Raymond was being asked, like, how, how was it like having Bert back? And the reporter was like, his whole face lit up. 
He was so excited. He's like, we love having him here. He's so important to our team. I am still not of of the persuasion that we should get rid of Bert if we unless we're getting to the point where we won't get anything. Like he's just gonna walk away. I think the majority of the, like we need Bert gone was for the COVID stuff. And it was mostly just people unable to and I, I'm pretty strong on this. It was mostly people unable to separate their personal like ideas of health and like how like the locker room should be handed with the play because you take everything away and that's within reason being unvaccinated is not the same as being someone who like is a bad teammate and beats Mm -hmm. his wife, like quote unquote, Navander Kane. So like for that contract, like that has to go into consideration. Like, how's he going to mesh with these guys? Like, you're also kind of a horrible person. Like, how are we going to, like, do that? Like, it seems like Bertuzzi is greasy a little bit on and off the ice, but his number one flaw was, like, okay, he didn't get a vaccine. Like, right. Like you're looking too much into it as far as, like, oh, he hates people. No, that's not – no, that's not really it. <laughs> like – Yeah, yeah. And I won't, I won't go too far off to that. But now that – the, the vaccine thing doesn't matter. It's that that part that people were so passionate about. He's not a good teammate because he's not he's not getting the jab. Like that's gone. So now what's yep. against him? His teammates love him. He was a thirty goal scorer last year. Really gritty. Teams and players hate to play against him. You'd want to keep that guy around. And it's like okay, well he doesn't fit like the the window of competitiveness. Okay. You just signed David Perron. Who's literally a, who is literally a Stanley cup contender type player. Um, um, it's different now that he's on the Red Wings, but was a, was a huge part to the St. Louis blues pl- deep playoff runs was their number one scorer in those runs. And especially last year, he's 34 years old. He's definitely not in here for the long haul. He only signed a two year deal. So Bertuzzi is young enough to where he can be a part of this future of this team. And again, my best thing about Eisenman is he gets guys to sign team-friendly deals for the sake of competition. And not competition, like competition between each other, but keeping the team competitive. Will they get their due? Yes. Victor Hedman was the high, was a highest like played defenseman, but was he the highest paid defenseman? No. Stamkos was a high-paid offensive forward, a high-paid center. Was he the highest-paid center? No. Steve gets these guys to sign these deals. Mm-hmm. I have full confidence. I think the only I have full confidence in Steve as well. I think the only worry from the general public is the arbitration case that happened last time Bert tried to get his contract signed. Were there feeling, did it feel like there were a lot more factors to that signing? Yes. Yeah. But I think that is still in the back of a lot of people's heads. Sure. Probably rightfully so. But that's more Bert's agent than it is the player. Yeah. But so. I, I think that, again, if, if this team takes the step it's supposed to take this year mm-hmm. and you see, hey, like, 
we brought in players and now we were exponentially better. Like you're important to this team, but you're not the only piece. And like, if you can, we will give you what, like, like we will give you a pay increase and what you're worth, but we also need money to spread around and make this team even more competitive than it is. That is why you got guys like Stan Coast and Hedman to stay in Tampa Bay. Cause it's like, we are going to win multiple cups. If we do this right. If you can show yeah. a player that type of like, commitment to the team but also the results on the ice they'll be willing to make a more team friendly deal in my opinion now if it's just like i just want to go get my money that's fine too there's a lot of players that will do that but i don't necessarily think it's just that mm-hmm. plus i think being comfortable where you want to play too goes into that as well yeah i think that's fair um, so the lines on the ice right now, well, I don't know if this is accurate, but the lines that were projected today, <laughs> earlier this evening, uh, were Bertuzzi, Larkin, Raymond, Perron, Suter, Verana, Ernie, Rasmussen, Zadina, Berger, and Valeno, Kubalik, and then down to defense is, uh, Sherratt and Sider, Mata and Hronik, Edvinson, and Lindstrom with Huso in net, um, and a goalie whose name I cannot pronounce that starts with an O. That's probably your... I know. That's probably your starting lineup. I think this is the beginnings of a final rough draft for what opening night is going to look like. Read that third line for me one more time, please. Ernie, Rasmussen, Zadina. That's like the best third line we've had in the past five years. Yeah. I'm feeling for Zadina, though. The kid just keeps getting stuck. I don't feel for him at all. Okay. I like he's he showed signs of improvement. Make mm-hmm. him make. I'm the not rest, saying. Yeah. Make him make. I'm not the, saying. I'm not saying give him more. Uh, more responsibility. He's still got to prove it. Right. That's what this year is. But he's still stuck with Adam Ernie. Yeah, I love Adam Ernie though. He's a lead scorer. Okay. Elite sharpshooter. But, no, that's the starting lineup on opening night. I want to say one thing to close this off. I called my dad in the airport, and I was telling him about, I was talking about the Lions-Minnesota game. Sure. This was literally the Saturday before. And it's just like, we always go back to like this season of Detroit sports just being absolutely horrible. Because it has yes. been. Yeah. We are, I just got to the point, it's like, we were talking about the Pistons, we were talking about the Red Wings, and it's just like, Detroit is just hungry for, like, a competitive team. Not even a championship yes. team. Like, just something fun to watch. And I feel like the Pistons and the Red Wings could be those teams this year. And it's like, my dad was like, I, he hasn't watched an NBA game in, like, years. And he's like, Heck, I'll watch Pistons if that means the Detroit team's going to be good. So, like, it, it's, like, like, the fans are ready. We're so ready for just something to cheer for. And yes. you're beginning to see some of that progress being made in at least two of these teams. So, let's fire it up. Let's get ready. Go Stones. Go Wings. Bring us back to the mountaintop, baby. 
think that's a pretty good place to end it. I think so, too. I have no more thoughts. Anything else from you? I'm good. Alrighty, folks. Thanks so much for listening to CNC Replay. Uh, rate us five stars uh, wherever you're listening. Share with a friend. We really appreciate your time this week. Uh, we're going to try and be more consistent as we get deeper into the uh, regular seasons of these three remaining teams. Um, but we will see you next week. Adios.